grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy endures forever. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made, and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, Weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So that your fasting will not be noticed by, by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the desert mothers from the 4th century once wrote, There is immense labor and strife for the sinner who turns to God. But afterwards, there is unspeakable joy. She continues and says, If you are trying to light a fire... Before you succeed, you will be smothered in smoke, which irritates and brings tears to the eyes. But it is written that our God is a consuming fire. Therefore, it is fitting that the divine fire should be lit in ourselves with tears and hard work. This quote from the Desert Mother is appropriately, is an appropriate description of the season of Lent. Each year, Lent asks us to embrace a gravity, 
of spiritual gravity, a downward motion of our souls in order to turn from our sinfulness and turn from our self-sufficiency. And as we turn from our sinfulness and our self-sufficiency, we are humbled and our hearts begin the long 40-day preparation for the passion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. One Orthodox theologian wrote and described Lent as a bright sadness. And each element of this bright sadness is laden with meaning. We begin tonight on Ash Wednesday with an imposition of ashes, reminding us that we are simply dust, and to dust we will return. Both dust and ash are elements that symbolize the two themes that are at the heart of Lent, our creaturely mortality and our moral culpability. We are finite creatures, but we are also sinful creatures. And because of both, we are each destined to die. For the wages of sin is death, writes the Apostle Paul. But also, because of both, Lent reminds us to humble ourselves before the eternal God who created us because he is the only one who can redeem us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, the dust speaks to our bodily dependence upon God and the ash speaks to our repentance. And these two elements, dust and ash, remind us that we observe or we participate in Lent. We do not celebrate Lent. And the reason behind this distinction is very simple. During these weeks, we become even more mindful of the sinfulness that separates us from God. And we also become mindful that our sinfulness is what nailed Christ to the cross. This is why Lent is a bright sadness. We lament the sadness of the death of Christ. But by his death and by his resurrection, he has secured for us forgiveness and eternal life. Lent is sobering, but Lent leads to Easter. Even the word Lent is laden with meaning that speaks to our participation within the season. The word Lent comes from the old Saxon word that originally meant to lengthen, which was used to denote the coming of spring. So as we observe Lent, we become aware that the days themselves are lengthening along with the signs of new life appearing in the coming of spring, or spiritually speaking, the signs of new life that are appearing with the coming of resurrection morning. As we observe the season of Lent, we should think of it as yet another means by which we identify with the Lord Jesus, not only at the beginning of his public ministry, but also near the end. As the season begins with Jesus in the desert, he spends 40 days alone in fasting, in prayer, in contemplation, and in reflection, and discerning the will of the Father before he is tempted by the enemy. The season continues upon the road to Jerusalem as Christ progresses towards the cross and towards the ultimate defeat of the enemy. As Jesus entered the desert, he was keenly aware of his baptism and the calling that it placed upon him. And so as we observe Lent, we too are called upon to identify with Christ 
and to reaffirm and remember our own baptismal promises to renounce sin and to renounce Satan and to renounce the power of evil and to rest in the grace of the Father and to trust in Christ as our Savior and to follow him as Lord. And while we may not literally be able to retreat into a desert, as we observe Lent, we undertake the biblical spiritual disciplines of fasting and prayer and contemplation and even acts of service and generosity, all for the purpose of identifying with Christ. By fasting, we deny ourselves, whether of food or some other modern amenity and comfort, in order to draw us more into a posture of repentance and contemplation. And while there is no Lent without the practice of fasting, fasting for the sake of fasting is not the goal of Lent. The goal of Lent is to identify with Christ. Biblically, fasting is usually always linked with the practice of prayer and contemplation upon God's word. Consider how combining the practice of fasting with prayer helps us to make space for God in our hearts and in our very distractive lives. Combining fasting with prayer weans us from our preoccupations and it helps us to actually listen to God. Again, we are reminded in this that we observe and participate in Lent. We do not celebrate Lent. Consider how practically, instead of working an extra hour at our jobs, we can convert a skipped meal time into a time of prayer in order to grow closer and identify with Christ. The same can be said of contemplation or meditation upon God's word. Think of contemplation like steeping a cup of tea In order to get all the flavor, you want to steep the tea bag for as long as possible, noting the change in the water the longer that it sits. When we fast during Lent and we read and contemplate and steep ourselves in Scripture, we identify with Christ in a very tangible way. By contemplating upon Scripture, we are able to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share with him in his sufferings and become more like him in his death. Finally, we can also take up the Lenten practice of service. Traditionally and historically, this has been known as almsgiving, which literally means giving to others. And while there has always been a monetary understanding of this practice, considering it in light of service can also help us identify with Christ during the Lenten season. Here in Jackson, we have multiple organizations that gladly accept volunteers to help those who are in need. Service can also include serving in the local church in a more meaningful way this season. The goal here, again, is not to take on these practices for the sake of the practices themselves, but the goal is to identify with Christ and to also remember that we show mercy because our Lord has shown mercy towards us. And in these practices, in our turning away from sin and toward God, we plunge headfirst into the paradox that is the Christian gospel which is the gospel of the cross and the gospel of the empty tomb. And these truths are simply too profound to try and take in over the course of one weekend from Good Friday to resurrection morning. And so on Lent, and so in Lent, it is designed to help us to prepare. But even more so, Lent allows us to enter into the power of Easter more deeply. You are dust and to dust you shall return. This is the wisdom of Lent, to acknowledge our sin and our mortality.
but to also acknowledge that our only hope is to turn to the God who has turned to us in mercy in the incarnation of Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus says the Lord through the prophet Joel, yet even now says Yahweh, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen and amen. If you would please join me briefly in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks and praise for this night. Lord, we thank you for this time to observe the season of Lent. And we pray, Lord God, that we would enter into it, Lord, in order to identify with Christ and his suffering. And to share with him in his suffering and to know him in the power of his resurrection. And so we pray, Lord God, as we move and go from this place, Lord, that we would take upon, Lord, these practices of Lent in order to know you more fully. And we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, may these ashes be for us a sign of our mortality and penitence, and a reminder that we receive eternal life by God's gift alone, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. A few instructions. Uh, We will treat this similarly to how we do Eucharist on Sunday mornings. So if you desire to have ashes imposed, we'll simply come up the center aisle. Myself and Craig will place the ashes on your forehead, and you may return to your seat through the outer, the outer aisles. Okay. And we'll come up and just each side make a line on their side. Join with me in the confession. I'll read the light print and you read read the dark print. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, 
and uphold me by your generous spirit. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Join me now in the reading of the litany. God the Father in heaven, have mercy. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy. Be gracious to us and love us through the Lord. From all sin, from all error, from all evil, have the crafts and assaults of the devil from sudden and from, from evil death from pestilence and famine, from war and bloodshed, from sedition and from rebellion, from lightning and tempest, from all calamity by fire and water, and from everlasting death. By the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. In all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death and in the day of judgment, to rule and govern your holy Christian church, preserve all pastors and ministers of your church in the true knowledge and understanding of your wholesome word and to sustain them in holy living, to put an end to all schisms and causes of offense, to bring into the way of truth all who have erred and are deceived, to bless the church's life-giving message that Jesus is Lord, to bring comfort to the sorrowing and hope to those living in fear to beat down Satan under our feet, to send faithful laborers into your harvest, and to accompany your word with your grace and spirit. To raise those that fall, strengthen those that stand, and to comfort and help the weak-hearted and the distressed. To give to all people concord and peace, to preserve our land from discord and strife, to give our country your protection in every time of need, to direct and defend our authorities, to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and to turn their hearts, to give and preserve to our use the kindly fruits of the earth, and graciously to hear our prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we implore you to hear us. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world.
Well, brothers and sisters, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. May he give us strength to be repentant daily. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Please stand and pass the peace of Christ amongst yourselves. Brothers and sisters, we send you out with this benediction. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The Lord bless you.